It's Friday. Listen, guys, you only have a few hours until the weekend starts, but why don't you just go ahead, spend your Friday here with the Blue Bloods. We start the episode with a small celebration of sorts. Um, tonight, we're recording on Thursday. Um, we're going to celebrate the return of regular season sporting events tonight, and then we're going to move on, discuss what we learned from the NCAA's congressional meeting yesterday. And then we're going to move on to discuss the latest updates from across the United States in terms of high school football and what they're going to do state to state about this upcoming season. And of course, guys, you already know what's coming. We're wrapping the show up with another recruiting update. And we had to roll up to, you know, Washington all the way across the country and check in on the Washington Huskies. We have a full show today, guys. So let's kick it off. So we are going to start with an unconventional segment, like I said, but I think it's an important one we need to address. And me and Brandon also think it has far reaching effects on college football tonight. The 23rd is opening day for the MLB. And next Thursday, the NBA officially begins its run to the finals with an eight game stretch before they start the playoffs. You may be wondering what, why does this matter for college football? But it is important because sports are finally back and this gives everyone just a small hope that college football will be back sooner rather than later. So Brandon, why don't you tell the listeners what you're looking forward to most and how does this give you hope for the college football season? Oh my goodness, Zach. So if anybody watched baseball last night, you know, since it's already Friday, uh, you all know, uh, I mean, we, we obviously don't know how the, how the Yankees nationals game turned out, but we all know the Dodgers beat the giants 11 to two, uh, not even close. I mean, the giants <laughs> suck. So it's uh, a lot of fun to watch always, uh, go Dodgers, but yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's very exciting, obviously. I mean, we've been stuck in this bubble for so long. As a matter of fact, we're still kind of stuck in this bubble. Um, it, this is regular season baseball, and we're this excited about it. You know, it's, that's nuts. Who would have ever thought? Um, not a lot of regular season baseball fans out there. I get it. I watch regular season baseball like, a, like, like an insane person, even when there's not coronavirus amidst. But um, – no, man, it, it's so exciting, um, and it shows you what can really happen when when leagues take this sort of thing seriously and they take the proper protocol. I mean, they take the pro- uh, proper steps to open back up. I mean, we see what the NBA. We see what the NBA is doing. I mean, a week, I, I guess a week from yesterday, if you're listening on Friday, um, the NBA is starting back. Uh, we've seen what they've done, even though there there are some people inviting uh others into the into the bubble and contaminating things uh in more than one way uh, i guess you could say but um i mean they've taken the proper steps you know they're secluding themselves they're staying away from others uh baseball's doing a little bit differently they're still traveling to sites um i know tonight's games are in washington and i can't remember where the dodgers game is i want to say it's in uh i want to say it's in los angeles but 
Uh, I mean, that means that New that the Yankees have to travel to DC, the Giants have to travel to LA. Uh, so that's a little, you know, iffy. Uh, but they found a way. You know, there's no fans in the stands. Um, players can't aren't allowed to spit, which I don't know how that's even going to be possible. But they're doing it. Um, I don't know what the punishment is either. But it, obviously, they've taken steps in the right direction. Players wear masks when when they can. So you know they they're they're doing things to prevent the spread of the virus, and we'll obviously see how it how it shapes out. Um, and I think the way that it does shape out it is really going to be an indicator on whether college football can really happen this season or not. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not one of the uh, weirdos that watch regular season baseball usually, but uh, I, that's, because you're, that's because you're a Marlins fan. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably, I, I'm honestly probably going to watch it tonight. I mean, so Brandon, you know, I'm not the baseball guy at all. If we had a baseball podcast, it'd be the worst podcast of all time because I know literally not a thing about baseball. But I have to ask you, you know, uh, um, right now I'm in Manhattan, Kansas. Yesterday, the big news was that the Kansas City Royals were like the first team to hit three Astros <laughs> uh, when they came up to bat. So over under how many pitches like do you think the Astros get hit by this season in the 60 game stretch before I mean, the playoffs? You have to give me an over under and I'll tell you. I mean, I, I mean, so, so what would the, what would it have to be set at for you to take the over? Oh, I mean, you could set it at a hundred and I'd say over, well, there's only 60 games. Um, it'll be at least, I think it's gonna be 75. Give me 75. I'm taking over every single day. <laughs> okay and also i know this is like a controversial thing i know this has nothing to do with college football we'll get to that but do you support hitting the players because uh, i've heard yeah I, i've heard many different opinions on that and i mean i feel like the consensus is like okay you get one shot but just don't make it up and in uh well it depends on who it is if we're hitting uh, if we're hitting jose altuve up and in go ahead and take his teeth out Alex Bregman, go ahead and do that. I said I'm a Dodgers fan at the top of this episode, so uh, and those are my feelings. I don't. Uh, what do you think, Zach? I mean, I, I, f- I feel like it, it is what it is, man. I mean, uh, MLB always seems to police itself. So, I mean, as long as you're not hitting anyone in the face, like Giancarlo Stanton got hit a few years back, I feel like, I feel like you know, take one to the side, like in the kidney, like you're good. Um, but you know, I want to move on. I mean, did you watch any of the NBA scrimmages? No, I didn't, honestly. Okay, so you know how they said they were going to simulate fan sound and everything like that? Well, they have large TV boards across the baseline with video of fans from whatever the home team is for that game. And so, like, they'll have audio of the Heat fans and a video of the Heat fans chanting, like, let's go Heat and defense, defense and stuff like that. Like, it's it. they actually did a, an amazing job not making it seem like an empty gym. It is outrageous. There are two giant, uh, you know, video boards where it makes it feel like there's almost fans there. And they, the NBA is literally the gold standard in terms of handling this COVID stuff. Yeah, honestly, I have to agree with you there because I don't know how much uh, summer camp you've been watching. That's what they're calling. uh, That's what they call the MLB leading up to the regular season. It's summer camp for some reason, but, uh, they also have sounds going on in the stadium, and it's pretty bad in my opinion. But, yeah, the NBA, I, I've seen the videos of what you said. 
I just never watched it live or anything. Um, they, they've definitely done a lot better than MLB, in my opinion. Yeah, and the last thing I want to talk about, guys, and you know, this sport is coming on, but I feel like it doesn't get any credit for what it's done during COVID, and that's the UFC. I mean, when the person who owns the sport goes out and buys an island off of Abu Dhabi and puts on pay-per-view events because he can't because nowhere in the U.S. will let him schedule it. I, I call that dedication. And every single fight Dana White's put on Fight Island has been spectacular. I've ordered every pay-per-view and watched the live events on Fight Island. And I just want to say the UFC and NBA are leaps and bounds above these other leagues because, I mean, I can't imagine anybody else buying an island to get their sport in. Uh, okay, so I have to ask, did you just say that he bought an island like near Abu Dhabi or in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, it's in Abu Dhabi. That's I see. I didn't know where the location was. That's wild. He just bought a he just bought an island in the UAE. That's pretty sick. Yeah, and all the fighters just travel there the two days before the fight, say quarantine for two days, and then they fight. I, it, okay. It's it's what a spectacular plan. I mean, yeah. holy crap! That's what Kyle Schwartz needs to do. Just go buy a country. All the players go, we chill, and we get comfortable in. But, you know, guys, to circle back to college football, um, you know, for me, I really feel like the NFL is the most important domino regarding college football. I think yeah. if, the, it, whatever, if the NFL decides they're not going to play, guys, just go ahead. The tombstone needs to be written for the 2020 college football season because if the NFL is not playing, it's not happening. I mean, for me – these sports, why this is important, why we put it in the show is because they're paving the way for college football. They're they, they're setting precedents for protocols and laying out the way for college football to to properly get a season in this year. And listen, guys, I just want to warn you guys. I know some of you guys know some of you guys might be too hopeful. There's going to be positive tests that come out. I believe there's a player on the Yankees tonight, if I'm not mistaken, that tested no, positive I- for COVID today. I, I know, no, I think you're thinking of the Nationals and those Juan Soto. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Not, I knew, I knew one of them. Yeah, so yeah. he's not playing, but they said he, they've been quarantining. No one else on the team tested positive, so the game's going along. So the the I guess to keep it all in perspective, don't worry about the positive tests. And I think there's going to be mistakes. I think there's players that are going to make mistakes, teams that are going to make mistakes. But luckily for us, college football gets to sit back and learn and then make their move. And like I said, I think it was an episode or two ago, it's better to be right than it is to be early. And that's why the SEC and Big 12 are killing this COVID. I mean, out of all the conferences in the country, I never thought I'd say the SEC and Big 12 were leaps and bounds above the other ones. But yeah, you're telling me they're smart guys? Apparently, because, um, you know, the Big 10 may try to be tried to be early rather than right. And I think it's going to bite them real bad because what happens if a college football season comes to SC, the SEC, ACC and big 12 are talking about doing a non-conference th- like a three-way split for non-conference games. And so the playoff committee has already said they're not changing their criterion. The big 10 is not going to get a team in Brandon. No, they're not. I mean, if Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, Miami, Clemson, if all those people have big non-conference games, like if Clemson has wins over Auburn, Texas, LSU has wins over Alabama, Florida, like um, Miami, et cetera. I mean, those teams are getting in over a Big Ten or Pac-12 team that just played in conference. 
because outside of uh, outside of Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota holds a lot of weight. And Michigan, I mean, what wins can Ohio State hang their hat on? Uh, that mm, no one really. Uh, I uh, mean, you you named all the big players there. I mean, if if they beat Northwestern and Illinois, is anyone going to care? Well, it turns out Illinois is a lot harder to beat than people think. That, 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 that is true. Um, that they did pull off a major upset, but I just I think Ohio State is is on the verge of freaking out because if they miss the playoffs because the Big Ten won't let them play other teams, Ohio State is going to try to realign conferences. They're just going to be out. They're like, you know what? We're going independent. Y'all can have Notre Dame. That's not happening because. Ohio State's loaded this year, and they should be a playoff pick. But, man, I, it's just – I don't understand why you make that announcement. But, guys, we're going to move on here. We're going to get back to some college football. Um, and yesterday, the NCAA and leaders from across all – I think – I believe all the Power Five conferences were represented. Um, they headed to Capitol Hill for a hearing about the proposed name, image, and likeness legislation that was recently uh, proposed by Florida, I believe, was the first state to do this. Um, but the hearing quickly turned on the NCAA in which multiple senators called for the NCAA to do more to so-called, quote-unquote, protect student-athletes. Um, Senator Mike Lee even went as far as to compare college athletics to a cartel while Senator Cory Booker took it even further and said, quote, the NCAA fights tooth and nail to ensure that college athletes, specifically African-Americans, are kept out of the $15 billion football industry. So, Brandon, I know we kind of talked about this earlier off air, but what was your takeaway from this hearing? And what do you think the NCAA must do to satisfy these critics that keep saying that they're taking advantage of student athletes? Well, you know, we might be on cold takes exposed uh, in a year or so or whenever new rules pass in the NCAA for how how far we were against uh, those student athletes asking for a salary and asking for insurance, et cetera, um, because it's, it's looking more and more like there's going to have to be a compromise made. And I think the NCAA is going to be the first to handle it. I mean, they obviously went into this thinking, you know what, we're going to be reinforced here. The Congress is going to be on our side. They're going to think, oh, they're, they're, I mean, they're student athletes, they're amateurs. They shouldn't be paid, but that's like the exact opposite of what happened, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like the, a cartel, man, that's, that's a tough comparison. And, you know, just the thing that gets me is that, you know, I've read multiple, multiple articles about this. And um, I know Congress is forming a committee to they're going to present a bill. I believe they're aiming for September, if I if I remember right. And it's going to be like a basic college athlete right bill. And I'm yeah. really interested to see what comes out in that. And the thing that gets me is that you're listening and reading through this um, hearing I, like it's the same it's the same issue that Kublet brought up. What's gonna satisfy you? What is the end goal here? Everyone's saying, Oh, you're taking advantage of student athletes, oh you need to do this, oh you need to do that, but they never specify what this or that is. Right. And so to incite change, you have to give a list of tangible things to change. 
And so uh, it's almost, uh, and I don't understand how it got to this point. I mean, where you're comparing people to cartels and accusing the incident of of being racist. I mean, this turned really, really bad off uh, for the incident of And, you know, I want to say this because I know we addressed the paying players last episode, but that's not the same as name image likeness. Um, And I do support the name image likeness um, bill that is going through because I mean, Brandon, so you're an LSU fan. So you probably were more cognizant of this than I was. How many commercials do you think Joe Burrow appeared in last season? Uh, mm, I I honestly don't know, but I, I mean a few at least. I mean, and how much money do you think was made from those commercials? I have to say, I'd have to say a lot of money. A lot, and Joe Burrow pocketed zero dollars off of that. Um, well, that we know of. Yeah, that we know of. I mean, if I was if I was LSU, Joe Burrow deserves a lot of money. But I mean, and so just like, do you not think the cigar company that they have that famous picture of him smoking the cigar now? How quick? Could they would they have contacted him and offered him a sponsorship? Oh, I mean immediately. And and guys, name image, image lightness is not a salary, and I think that's what. And for me, so I feel like just so many people are uneducated about this, and I mean even the senators were uneducated about this, talking about salaries because that's not what name image lightness is. It's not the instead of paying players, it's players be able to make money off their social media presence, their YouTube. Um, Cause I believe what it was the UCF punter had a, a blog on his YouTube channel that he was making money off of. And they made him stop it when he enrolled, it was either he had to pick that or football and with name image likeness, he would have been able to continue that making money off of that while playing football. So it's not necessarily paying a salary It's that they are able to make money on the side. So, Joe Burrow could have been contacted by Nike and he would have had a sponsorship with Nike and he was able to profit off of that. So that's, that's the, that's the fundamental difference between name image likeness and pay for play. Um, and the, the issue that the senators brought up that I didn't agree with though, is Brandon, um, they called it, uh, they said that it was too restrictive that they said, so the NCAA said that if players were going to pr- uh, sign brand deals, it had to be a, the same brand that sponsored the school. So an LSU player couldn't go sign a sponsorship deal with Under Armour um, or Adidas or anything. They had to sign with Nike. And the senators said that that was um, the NCAA trying to prohibit players from reaching their full potential. And I don't agree with that. I mean, if you want a sponsorship from Under Armour, don't go play for a school that's sponsored by their rival. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a simple fix, but everyone's everyone's just it, it seems like that like once the momentum got rolling in the in the way of this had does nothing right. I feel like it was just it was like down a mountain and there was I mean, literally the of Blake could have said nothing to stop it. I mean, even um, I, I believe right at the end of the debate I, I, or the meeting, I listened to it. Uh, one of the senators uh, was saying that the waivers that Ohio State got their players to sign, uh, releasing them from liability of if a player got COVID was illegal. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. And the M- Mark Emirat said that he didn't support it. And he was like, well, if we go investigate it, um, would, would it find that it wasn't illegal and all this? And he was like, 
sir, you can go investigate this. I don't, I, there's nothing that is illegal about it. He said, well, I hope your lawyers think the same thing. And like, it was very combative, the whole thing. And it's for me, I just feel like it's gotten completely out of hand and, and like, and I've really, and I think we can all agree that the incident of is not perfect. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you're going to fight me on that. I don't think if a single person who's listening is going to fight me on that because this is definitely not perfect, but I don't think it's a cartel either. I mean, yeah. so the, and the senators are acting like players are being forced into things. They're like, the, the players are forced to be at camp. The players are forced to play. The, they're forced to live in the best dorms on campus and receive endless gear. And it's like, I mean, and that's why I love what our guest Cole Klebeck said. He was like, the players want to be on campus. It, the poll them. Uh, Brandon, what percentage of, of players do you think would vote that they would be on campus right now? I would say well, 98. I, I Well, maybe like 90. It, it, there's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, especially big-time conferences, it just – Pull the SEC. I would be shocked if you didn't find a hundred. Yeah, uh, and and they want to practice. They want to further their careers. I mean, if they didn't want to be out there making it to the NFL, do you think they would put themselves through that? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's not I, like what they go through is. I mean, I know sometimes we we make light of the situation. We're like, hey, you know, you're getting all this stuff. Like, why don't you want to do it? I get that it's a tough process. I I get that you're a, a student as well as an athlete, and that you have to focus on both. And that you have those early morning workouts as well as classes. But, I mean, at the same time, like, these kids signed up for it. This is, this is what they want to do. No one's making them do it, right? Right. And, I mean, so, so Brandon, I mean, uh, like, you, you graduated from college and everything. How much of your college experience would you give up just to play one season at LSU? I mean – all, all four and a half years. All four and a <laughs> half years. <of> college. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Like, uh, you don't even have to give me a scholarship. I would just pay myself for the chance. Get, make me a walk on. Just give me a jersey. Right. That's all I need. Do you think I give me a helmet? Just give me a jersey. I'll just chill on the sideline. I'll be that dude with the towel standing on the bench. I'm cool with that. But, you know, I. I don't think Dan Mullen is going out there forcing Kyle Trask to watch film and throw and build rapport with his wide receivers by throwing a football. I, no. You can't convince me that these players don't want to do this. And, you know, I, I don't like to be this guy at all. And, you know, if you don't want to be a football player and you want that full college experience, you, you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to workouts and don't just don't do it. Be a normal student, study harder, got to keep your GPA up, got to get your own scholarships based on that, and you can go rush a frat, do whatever you want, go out every night. Like, that's all good, but I just I don't understand how this turns to battle in the NCAA, and I, I really think this name image likeness is going to really, really put the NCAA in a bond, like you said. I think... This is going to just like Congress does, where it's a bill about environmental safety and they stick something about just what I, I don't even know, like military force or something in the middle of it. And you're like, oh, right. how did that get passed? And I think this is exactly what's going to happen with the NCAA, where it's like this name is, image likeness needs to go through. But we're going to stick these things through pages 1000 to 1030 that have nothing to do with this. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's just a bad. I mean, this went really bad, guys. If if you didn't 
like if you didn't go watch the highlights of this or go listen to some of the some of what was said man just go listen to it because it got it got tense i was watching this and i was even kind of sweating watching it i was like god man this is this is tough i was like oh wow oh no yeah, like I felt like I did something wrong. I was like, I need to lock the door, make sure, <laughs> make sure I paid my taxes. <laughs> like, I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta hide. This is tough. But yeah, no, they roasted this away, guys. But name, image, likeness is coming very soon, and these players are gonna be able to make money off of stuff. They're gonna be able to do autograph signings. They're gonna be able to do stuff like that where they profit off of. I believe what Kublet called it, like that platform the university offers. They're going to be able to profit off of that in college rather than having to wait till after they graduate. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I have zero problem with that. I'm just worried that the NCAA has opened up an entire can of worms that they're not ready to address. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, I, I see, I see that for sure. But guys, enough of like just sadness and, um, you know, con- congressional meetings and stuff like that. We're going to move on to a huge announcement that came out late yesterday afternoon from the state of Alabama. Um, not a lot of good news doesn't come out from the state of Alabama, especially regarding high school stuff. But that the Alabama High School um, Athletic Association uh, has announced that Alabama high school football will begin practices next week, the 27th. And the schedule is going to be completely intact for the 2020 season. Florida followed along, did the exact same thing. High school football in Florida and Alabama are going on as planned. Um, You know, that's huge for a lot of these players. But other states such as Washington, Texas, California, Georgia have decided to postpone their season. And some of the top recruits in the country – including the number one player in the country, Corey Foreman out of California ha- has expressed that he is going to skip his senior season. If, if California keeps their season in the spring because he wants to early enroll wherever he commits. So Brandon, what is your take on this news and how will players who planned on early enrolling handle this? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know where I land on this because I love football, but also I feel like players and students should be safe. Um, you know, I, I'd hate for somebody. I, I mean, I know I know the majority of people that are contracting coronavirus right now aren't minors. You know, they're not they're not people that are in high school. Um, I don't know. It, 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 this is such a tough situation, but I don't know. I, I don't know why you'd go risk that sort of thing if you're going to be in college anyway. I mean, think about players that have already committed. Think about players that are, I mean, are going to commit players that are going to enroll early. Why would you put yourself at risk there and, and, and risk catching this virus if you're going to go on to college and potentially onto the NFL after that? Um, to answer your question about the players that are going to early enroll, if they're going to play in the spring, I, I, I don't see a single person, like a single player, that is planning on on enrolling early, it, like foregoing that and playing for their high school football team in the spring. That just that that makes no sense in my mind. Like they've already got that offer, they've already signed the paperwork, but you're going to go play for your high school in the spring? No, I mean get out of here. That's that that that's just not even reasonable. No, it's not. And you know, I'm on the completely opposite end of Brandon. I know exactly how I feel about this. 
I think I've been vocal about this on the podcast, and I'm excited that some states are moving forward with this. I addressed it that these guys' careers are important, and these games have to be played. I mean, a half is a real word here, and we're talking about some some kids' opportunity and a free education, which they wouldn't get otherwise. Uh, yeah. You know, there's gyms all around the country that are probably being overlooked right now. I mean, Brandon, no star recruits right now in the NFL or or recently in the NFL. Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Chris Harris, Thomas Davis, Michael Bennett, Ben Roethlisberger. You even got two-star recruits who might have a scholarship to a smaller school but are being overlooked with T.Y. Hilton, Akib Tlaib, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, Pat McAfee. I mean, and Pat say what Mac- you want. Pat McAfee's a legend. Leave him alone. Um, he, but a punter. That's why he was a two-star recruit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. But, I mean, Akib Tlaib, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown. I mean, come on, man. I mean – Listen, you can say whatever you want. Um, Zach, you're missing the point. Zach, what about the virus? This and that. But what would football be or what would these guys' lives be if they didn't get to play their senior season and Tom Brady never got a scholarship to Michigan? Or Ben Roethlisberger never got to go to Miami of Ohio? Or, you know, or Khalil Mack never got that Buffalo offer? Then, Then what? What are they doing? They go to JUCO and they may or may not make it back to D1? Or they don't get any offer at all, and then they're literally doing nothing. And listen, it's it's another, like I said, it's a cost-benefit analysis. And when this age group is least affected by COVID, I think we need to try our best to put on a season because kids' futures are at stake here. I mean, it, it and yes, they're kids, but like if there's – you, if you even interview some of the parents whose kids are borderline – two, three-star recruits, and they might have a chance, I would guarantee most of the parents would be like, listen, I really need my kid to have a chance to g- get out of this situation. Yeah. I, I mean, Brandon, I mean, so neither of us were athletes. I mean, how expensive is school without an athletic scholarship that doesn't pay for anything? Uh, dude, it's not even imaginable. And, you know, and we've talked about this. Even uh, we've talked about it with guests. I mean, some of these kids don't come from very good situations, and a lot of them don't. And we're gonna take that away. And listen, I'm I'm trying to be as sensitive as I can about the virus and all this stuff. And it's not just because I want football, because I don't go watch high school football. I live in Manhattan, Kansas. There's some BS football up here. But for me, I really, really, really think we we would be doing this class of kids and the next one a real disservice if we canceled high school football and those kids didn't get a chance to go to college and we had a one two-star recruit who had NFL potential that just peaked at the wrong time. And listen, I don't mind the states such as Georgia and Texas where games are going to be pushed back till September and October. Just have a season, man. I mean, it Brandon, do you care if Georgia starts in mid-August or early September? I bet you don't. You don't care. You you play it in December. I I don't care. Just allow the games to happen. But pushing it back also allows the school to prepare to keep the kids safe, which is important as well, and they need to do that. And I'm really, really interested to see what Alabama and Florida come out with on how to protect the kids with coronavirus because – Unlike college football, that you don't have a control over where they live. 
Like you right. can't, you can't make high school students stay on campus. You can't, you, but you can't make them wear masks and all this stuff. So, I mean, I think you would have to test them what Wednesday before each game yeah. just to like make sure. And, and it, where are you getting, where are we getting the tests from though? I'm like assuming that. they have to be state funded tests. If I, if I mean, that's the only thing I can imagine. I mean, bro, we're from Mobile. Can you, there's no way MGM is affording test every Wednesday for the entire football team. No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And think about like, like private schools, like small private schools. You think they can afford testing for every single player on the team? Like Mobile Christian? Yeah, or Faith Academy. I, I yeah. Mean, like, and for, for those of you who have no idea what's happening right now, we're, I mean, these are schools that maybe have maybe 800 students. Like they're small. They're very yeah, small. I think I think Mobile Christian is a two A school, and I don't know face of five A, I think You're right, yeah, or four yeah. A. But listen, uh, this is just for me and Brandon here. This is an inside moment. You know, Coach French got them kids out there right now as we're talking. Oh yeah, I know he's been out there. <laughs> he might be eighty five, but those kids are running right now. They're running those one hundred and twenty yard sprints. He said, "If you don't finish these in three point two seconds, we are running again." He was out there in the middle of April with these kids. Just he didn't care. They were doing full <laughs> Oh man! But uh, guys, you know, moving the season to January is outrageous to me. I don't know what California's <laughs> thinking. They're taking the Big Ten approach. They're trying to be first rather than right. And Brandon, okay, so you know, I stopped playing football before my senior season. Uh, you did not. I mean, how special was your senior year to you, you know, looking back? And I mean, like you weren't even like a five star recruit or anything like that. But like, how long have you played with some of your teammates that you played your season, your senior season with? No, I mean, you're definitely right. It was it was a special moment. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it was I can't I wish I was back there. But no, I mean, it was special, especially in the moment. You know, you you play like personally, I've played football. I played football from the time I was five years old until the time I was 18. And some of these kids I was playing with when I was five years old. And so, I mean, yeah, it's very special. Um, I, I can't even begin to describe it. I mean, I'm, some of my best friends were playing on that team with me. And, and you know, guys yep. that maybe I was really good friends with then that I haven't spoken to in years. Uh, but it was very special. So I get what you're saying. I, even for players that aren't prospects, like, come on, it, it's – it's it's special. Let's not let's not disregard that. Yeah, and then you're putting those kids in a position to either play their senior season with their best friends they they might have been playing football with for years, or you have to make a business decision and go enroll early and fight for playing time for your freshman year because those kids who early enroll have a much better chance to step on the field in the fall than the kids oh, who wait till summer. I mean, that's what if you early enroll you get a, you get an extra like twenty practices. Yeah, that's that's um, that's amazing. And, you know, you don't think the schools lose money and support when players like Corey Foreman don't suit up. Right. I mean, they do. I mean, Brandon. I mean, so in Mobile, if there was a five star prospect playing on Baker High School's team right now, they would sell out that stadium. Yeah. Just for that, that kid. Cool, yeah. Yeah, they already do. But I mean, imagine if there's a kid, number one player in the country, and Corey Foreman playing defensive end. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. It, it's 
I mean, all the money and like just uh, attention that school gets, you're the school's losing out, the players losing out, the parents, everything. I mean, that moment on the field when you get to walk out with your parents and it's like you're introducing as a senior and you got your whole family there, man. That's that's a special moment and. You know, you lose final experiences with childhood teammates and everything like I just said. And I think postponing a few weeks and aiming to play are the is the best choice here. I think Georgia and the, and Texas did it best where it's like, hey, give us a little bit more time to prepare. Let's get this in and get these kids a chance. And, you know, but listen, this could be a good thing for college football. If high school starts working and these games are getting in and kids aren't getting affected, College football is a guarantee, guy. I'm just telling you, because college football has more research, more resources, tighter control, more dedicated players, and the and more dedicated coaches and places to live and everything like that. I think if high school football can make it work, especially in the state of Alabama, college football is bound to happen, guys. So th- this is going to be a big thing, I believe, for college football and to see how these high schools handle these training camps that are starting Monday. Yeah, it's 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 definitely gonna be interesting. But guys, we're gonna move on. Last segment of the day. Y'all already know what's coming. Or if you're new, you'll learn what's coming. As we usually do, we're gonna end the show off with an exclusive recruiting update. Check out episodes from like the last three, four months, and we have recruiting updates from all over the country, guys. Go find the podcast, old episodes, listen to them. But Today, we're going to head, like I said, way up north to analyze the Washington Huskies 2021 class. They're trying to follow up a top two Pac-12 class from last season. New head coach Jimmy Lake is looking to replace a legend and retired head coach Chris Peterson. The class is headlined with seven top 500 recruits. Still early, guys. Recruiting is still going. The Huskies have plenty of spots open. So Lake and the staff are not done filling up you know, this class, but Brandon, what is your take on this class? And do you see Washington and head coach Jimmy Lake continuing their upward trajectory for competing in the PAC 12? Well, Zach, I'll say this. I'm pretty mad at it uh, because they have a five-star recruit and LSU yeah. doesn't yet. And I'm, he, I'm, a little, I'm upset. Listen, I'm about to break that kid down. Like y- y'all are going to know his social security by the end of this, man. This kid is elite. Yeah, and this is a kid who is from (laughs) Washington. That's why he's at Washington, which you can't even be mad at him for, but I can be upset, I guess. Um, I mean, but that's one of their keys. They've been recruiting the West Coast like crazy, right? I mean, they have seven recruits in Washington. Uh, They have four out of California. They pulled one from Hawaii, one from Texas. That one's from Utah. Right. And so, I mean, they're they're all over the place. I mean, and good for them. Uh, apparently, Washington is much better in football than we all thought. Like, oh no, that's, there's some kids for high school football. Insane. Yeah, the, the, these kids can ball up here, man. They're just up in the northwest, and people forget about them. Everyone's just like, oh, Georgia, Florida, Texas. These kids in Washington are really, really good. I mean, Heward, the five star you talk about, is I believe what the second or third best player in Washington. He's, he's number three, but he's number he's eight, eight in the country. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so Washington has three of the top eight recruits in the country. Exactly. It's I don't get That's it. That's outrageous. But listen, guys, 
we're going to talk about Sam Heward. Like Brandon said, eighth overall. He's the number one pro-style quarterback out of Buren, Washington. I have no idea where that is. Don't don't ask me because I'm, I'm going to need a map. But <laughs> if you're looking for a surefire NFL quarterback, look no further than this kid right here. Brandon, already in his first three years of high school football, he already has thrown for over 11,000 yards. That's crazy. It doesn't make and sense. Only, in only three years. I mean, in last season, he threw for over 4,100 yards. Uh, well, he threw for over 4,100 yards the past two seasons. And last year, threw for 56 touchdowns with only 11 interceptions. Right. I and, mean, it, 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 man, okay, so how often do you see a freshman step into the varsity team and start at quarterback? Uh, I'll go with – I'll take Never. This kid stepped in at quarterback, won the Max Preps National Freshman of the Year, and as a freshman threw for over 3,400 yards and 34 touchdowns. Insane. And this kid stepped on the field, Brandon, with 18-year-olds at 15 and was the best player on the field every single time he stepped on the field. Right, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and and you're telling me you think this guy goes back to college, or you think he goes back to high school if, if Washington pushes it to the spring? By not way, a we're chance. We're taking back to the last segment. Not a chance. Okay. And if he does, I need to talk to him. Because he, he, because I mean, listen, um, you know, he, he comes from an NFL quarterback bloodline. His father was NFL QB. One of his uncles was NFL QB. And the other uncle was a starting quarterback at North Carolina. Right. That's pretty good. I, you know, I, you know, I, my uncles are real cool, but none of them are NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but just watching this kid's film, his ability to move in the pocket while staying focused downfield and making just he can make any throw on the field. You need a deep pass. He's got you a mid range. Got you short dump off. Got you. I mean, I don't understand how this kid is already so advanced at this level. I mean, his football IQ is honestly the best in this class, but it's probably due because he has th- two NFL quarterbacks that he could just go to and be like, Hey, I saw this coverage. Like if this guy drops, what do I do here? I mean, that's why scouts love NFL players sons because they were taught from a young age, like how to recover, just how to play the game and his ability to read defenses it is why he's so good. I mean, do you think any high school defensive coordinator is going to throw anything at him that he doesn't already know what to do? Not even a chance, not even a chance. And listen, guys, Heward, in my opinion, is going to start as a true freshman at Washington. And at that time, they are going to be an immediate PAC 12 contender. And by his junior senior year, he is going to develop into one of the best quarterbacks in the nation and be a Heisman threat. And Washington is going to be really, really good if they can surround him with more talent. Yeah, they, they absolutely will. And I mean, it's hard to not when you're this. It's not even that he's like highly rated coming out of high school, but it's, I mean, if, if you've seen this kid's film, uh, it's it's abundantly clear from the first snap that this kid knows what he's doing, that his football IQ is just leaps and bounds beyond anybody else, like anyone else in this class. I mean, after having Jake Browning and uh, Jacob Eason, I mean, this kid's better than both of them as freshmen already. There we go. I, I really think that I've watched the kid's film. I've 
read scouting reports, all this stuff. This kid is the real deal. And you know, I want to shift to another player to watch. This one's in the JUCO ranks. Don't take Quentin, it from me. Don't take it uh, from me. Go, go ahead, Quentin Moore. Talk about him, man. I don't even really want to talk about him. I just, I mean, that he was my player to watch. You know, he's a three star because he's coming out of JUCO. If you're a three star coming out of JUCO, that means you're really good. That's like a five star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that means you're a five star if you're a three star coming out of JUCO. Um, what I mean, where where's he ranked nationally? He's uh, he um, so nationally in JUCO, he's fourth. He's fourth coming out of JUCO, which is he's the he's the number one tight end. Number one tight end coming out of Independence Community College. Last shout chance, you. Or not, not Jason Brown anymore, but shout out to when he was there. Um, not even the new season, man. The new season's coming I out. I know. So. It's going to California. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last one, apparently. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, they should have went back to East Mississippi for one more season. Saying that was, it was, look, it was so good. This is just turning into last chance you segment, but. Um, it was so good at East Mississippi, and I mean, it was good in Independence, but and I think I think it's just because Jason Brown made it good. Um, and the last season, mm, it was it was it was okay. Uh, it wasn't it got, as good as it, it almost. It, it's almost weird because it almost went just like a um what is it a fiction, um like show. It just it got to the point where it's like, are the producers just like out of their minds now? Like yeah, the last Bobby, season. With him, it's like, what? You can't send Bobby home. You can't do that. Don't do that to me. Like, I don't know, man. And I just felt like, so with like, okay, this is getting outrageous. Okay, we'll get back on topic here in a second. But with like the East Mississippi, everyone's just seemed like genuine. Like, it was just like, okay, like we don't even care about the cameras. Like, we're just going to do our thing. He always seemed like he was acting for the camera. It's like, yo, I gotta cuss out a player, and I gotta try to act cool, and you know, I gotta slap another head coach. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, that's why he doesn't have another job. That's why he's not. <laughs> yeah, and then, right. and then he's gonna tweet at this or tweet at Florida State and said they scared to hire him. <laughs> Dude, yeah, you went, I mean, they are. You went was, two and eight in JUCO and started a brawl. All right, guys. Well, after Zach and I spoke for a little while, we decided it would probably be better if uh, we cut the discussion off right there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he played at last chance. You, we get it. We don't have to talk about it that much. But Quentin Moore is a stud on the field. Yeah, that's that's an understatement, man. I mean, six five two fifty. It's a matchup nightmare for DBs with his large frame. And he also has ridiculous speed for being that big. And it gives him the advantage if you match him up with a linebacker. Literally, you can line this dude up in the slot outside wherever you want. And he's going he's gonna to make a play. And his catch, radi- his catch radius is elite. I mean, he does an amazing job of high-pointing every single ball, especially in one-on-one situations. And... His physicality helps there because this kid does not shy away from contact and it makes him an excellent blocker out in space on screens and stuff like that. But man, guys, one look at the film and you're like, this kid's different. He's different. Yeah, he's he's huge. He's physical. And I mean, he's exactly what Washington's going to need at tight end. I mean, this quarterback tight end combo is going to be unreal. 
it's it's going to be elite. I mean, his aggressiveness makes him a huge asset in the run game too. I mean, if you watch his film, there's just pan. It's either him mossing somebody or him pancaking somebody. That's it. That's the two things in his film, and he's a serious red zone threat. And it, any whoever starts the quarterback, y'all know who I think it's going to be. This guy is going to be a problem in the red zone. I think they're going to use them use him similarly to how LSU is going to use Arik Gilbert, where they're going to line him up outside or in the slot in the red zone, and they're just going to say, hey, there's a ball up there. You're going to go and win that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it, 10 times out of 10. Uh, so, Brandon, you stole mine last time. I'm taking the underrated prospect of this class first. because I'm No, not no, I you mean, steal this no, one. My- Mine was already Quentin Moore. Oh, he was okay. Mine, so. Okay, okay. I don't know how you can be underrated if you're the fourth ranked recruit in the country, but that's fine, I, man. I'll, I'll let I it think, slide. I'll I let it slide. If you're, a, if you're a three-star JUCO transfer, that's how. Oh, man. You know who else was a three-star JUCO transfer? Cam Newton. But I'll let it be. <laughs> um, you know, listen, I've been excited a lot for some of my underrated recruits. This is literally my favorite part of the show, guys. Um, but this kid is hands down my favorite and that is Dyson Dyson McCutcheon. He's 659th overall, the 50th ranked quarterback out of La Puente, California. And listen, he is the son of Dalen McCutcheon who played for USC and had a seven year NFL career. And his grandfather Lawrence was a five time pro pro bowler for the Los Angeles Rams in the 1970s. So he has that background. He's a bit undersized. He's 5'10", 165, which is why he's so, low. I guess, lowly ranked. He's overlooked by experts because of that. But what he lacks in size, he makes up for in talent and explosiveness. I mean, McCutcheon in his film, just go watch it. He plays running back, wide receiver, DP, DB, returns punts and kicks for his team. He plays literally every position just about, and... One look at the film, and you'll see why McCutcheon's my pick here. The very first play in the film is him taking an opening kickoff back. He sees a hole, and no one touches him. He takes it back like 90 yards, untouched. And there's multiple plays where he explodes on a ball, breaks it up. Or if he takes a punt back, too, there's multiple punt returns in his film. I mean, for a kid that's not even in the top 600, he had a longer tape than some five-stars do. And I think it's just because of his size. I mean, his ability to scan the field with the ball in his hands and know where that hole is going to be and know what defenders are going to do is what makes him a threat any time he's on the field. I mean, he reminds me so much of Deontay Pettis when he was at Washington returning kicks and punts. They play such similar styles on special teams, and I think that's why this kid is going to be special. Washington always has that guy who can take something back any single play, and that is this kid. McCutcheon, as a freshman, is going to be a huge factor on special teams, and he's going to have the ability to play either side of the ball. He said he prefers to play DB, and that's what Lake and this Washington staff has recruited him to do. His speed allows him to cover any wide receiver. He has an 11 flat, 100 meter dash, and he may be small, but just watching the film, he's physical enough to really get receivers off their routes early. He is an he's an amazing jam corner, and I think it's because he's so small that he can get up under wide receivers, and they just don't know what to do with him. And 
listen, the biggest thing for a DB, we talked about it with Mika Fitzpatrick, and by no means am I comparing the two. Don't get me wrong there. But the thing they do have similarly is anytime Mika Fitzpatrick touched the ball, that thing was probably going to go back to the end zone or he was taking it 20, 30 yards. And if McCutcheon gets his hands on the ball in the interception, it's probably going back for a touchdown. He he probably has more the, more talent than Minka even did in taking the ball back. He has more ball skills than Minka Fitzpatrick in that term, in that ability. And listen, this kid has a serious chance at the NFL, in my opinion. And I think he's going to be the next great Washington DB kick and punt returner. And I think he has the biggest upside of any any undervalued recruit that we've covered on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, Zach's very opinionated. I'm not going to say he's always right, but uh, he's got his opinion, so we have to respect that. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, this, uh, did you watch this film? No, I didn't. Listen, uh, after this podcast, we're going to have a talk. You're going to have to, I'm going to send you the film of whoever I'm picking so you can, like, back me up on here. Just the very first play, like I was, I was turning, I was walk, going through the film with some of these underrated recruits, and I'm like, I don't know who I'm gonna pick. It came down to him or a defensive tackle that I saw that I really liked, and I, like the very first like play I saw, man, he took that kickoff, and I was like, who is this kid? And it literally just kept getting better. I mean, for a kid that it. He committed to Washington, but then he started picking up offers from Michigan, Boise State, and some of these bigger programs. And I, I really think this kid is going to be one people look at, especially people like USC and Oregon that are like, man, we really should have reached out to this kid because we really missed on a good one here. Yeah, fair enough. And to be fair, guys, Pac-12 wide receivers aren't known for being the biggest. I no. mean, I, I think you can be 5'10". He needs to put a bit of, bit of a weight on, but you can be 5'10 and be an elite corner. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I think so. And I, I really, really like this kid, man. And the NFL pedigree only helps. But guys, that is a wrap on this episode. Um, you know, brought it, uh, brought it up to you on a Friday since we brought you the first episode on a Tuesday. But we're going to get back on track next week. Monday, Thursday episode next week. Um, we got some big announcements coming, man. Me and Brandon have been working real hard on some stuff that we're going to roll out to you guys soon. Um, you know, uh, I can't say too much yet cause we're still in the works of stuff, but just stay tuned for that. Um, social media, Twitter is at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Uh, Instagram is at the underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pod, YouTube, the blue blood CFB podcast, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out everything we got on there. Um, you know, you guys are great, man. I can't believe we're over a hundred episodes, man. We're gaining support and subscribers and listeners every single day. And we got to shout out y'all for that, for spreading the word about us, man. You guys are the best listeners ever, but we'll be back next week, guys. Uh, enjoy sports this weekend. I know me and Brandon, pro I'm probably going to watch more regular season baseball tonight than I have in my entire life, but it is what it is. Um, but you guys keep listening, keep subscribing. Uh, we'll keep dropping episodes. You know how it goes. But for right now, we out. Florida State already has problems with brawls. 